my team is my superpower, 100%. Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome back to the ZonCom podcast. This is Andrew Erickson, your host, as always. I am back with Erin Graybill. This is part two of our two-part series with Erin, hearing her story about going from Southern California out to Washington and then going to business school, trying to find her way in the world, and then starting a PhD program in business, dropping out and building a successful Amazon, seven-figure Amazon business. And it's literally award-winning business. She told me that she recently got an award that she's going to go to a ceremony with the queen. Yes, like not a queen, but the queen of England, which is pretty exciting. So Erin, thank you so much for being back here with us. Oh, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And again, just this episode will be fantastic if you want to listen to it by itself. But if you get the full story, make sure to listen to the first part, which will be the episode right before this one. So Erin was telling us a story about how she, we left off in the last episode, she told us a story about starting PhD program and just starting her Amazon business around 2015, 2016, right? Um, 15, yeah. 15. And then... And then uh, kind of building the business up to the point where it was going, but there she started to hit struggles with, with the business and, and like trying to manage being a PhD student. I, they don't call them students, they call them candidates, right? I think we say student here. That's what I student, do. Okay, least, but okay. I think, yeah, I think it's more technically correct. Yeah. <laughs> a PhD student and then trying to do the business on the side. So Aaron, why don't you tell us kind of like those struggles, beginning with the struggles and then how you overcame them? Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned last time how I took 2017 off, basically, a suspension of studies, like agreed upon to to try to hire some people. And as a lot of us entrepreneurs are, especially if you're kind of just excited about things growing and things are happening fast, like you probably might not have formal management experience like me, or, you know, you just kind of keep going and growing. And so it got to the point where 2017 was started building a team 2018 where we're getting a bit bigger and things are going fast and, and a bit a bit chaotic so i think it was we expanded we spent 2017 expanding into europe from the uk we doubled revenue things are going well but then as far as having structure and process within the business we're working like 70 hours a week you know staying late and and i kind of realized it's almost like a burnout culture And I'm looking at the team, people that I've hired, and I feel a responsibility that I'm like, oh my goodness, are they going to turn out? I'm teaching them to to be like me, stressed, not having like really direction. And I'm not trying to throw myself under the bus, but it's in in hindsight, you you can really see how it was a bit more of a mess. So it was um, a very pivotal time was in 2018, the, the business hit that or surpassed the seven figure mark. And since I started in Amazon, that was always supposed to be it, right? You know, seven-figure seller, like, wow. But I think what no one talks about on a lot of these podcasts is that like, it's not it. And actually, at seven figures, that's one of the places that the cracks really start to show. Yes. Personally, business, um, your health, all these types of things where I was like, okay, I feel lost. I'm isolated. I technically am now a million-dollar seller. And I'm like, 
depressed and I have this team that I care about so much and I feel like I don't I don't want to lead them the wrong way. You know, I had placement students. I had, it's like, I just feel like I was this hurricane just bringing people into this, this storm. And even if my heart was in the right place, I just really wasn't, wasn't in a really good place. Yeah, personally. So it was the end of 2018, the very end. And it's like, uh, then 2019 happens. And I really realized that I'm like, I, my whole network is in my earbuds. Everyone I talk to about Amazon, my quote unquote peer group is literally podcasts. So it's like, unidirectional. They're not your friends. Like, you, you know, so I, and then I was like, I would really like to go to a conference. Um, and at the time, Ryan Daniel Moran was advertising for Capcom. And um, this was in Dallas. It was January. And I was kind of like listening. I was like, I really want to go. But then and at that, the same that's time. that's uh, capitalism.com, Ryan Daniel Moran. And he has a podcast too. It's called Capitalism, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. It's, he changed the name of it before, but if you look him up from all of his content, yeah, he's, he's all over the place. He's, he's a big mover and shaker in the private label business space. So he, uh, yeah, fantastic guy. Great podcast too. Yeah, for sure. And so I, it was a couple weeks before the conference and, and the tickets at the time were, I think they were like $2,000. And I was like, Oh geez. And you know, cause cash flow was always tight. We had European VAT and Internally, it's really important to be like aligned with your relationship, but I knew it would basically cause it, w- it wouldn't be good in my personal life if I spent $2,000 to go to this conference, even though I really, really knew that it was something, it was like a gut instinct that I wanted. So, anyways, it's like early Jan. And um, if anyone subscribes to, to Ryan's emails, he's an excellent, he's excellent at copy. So, he was like advertising the conference and he's just like, it's in two weeks, there's only a few tickets left. Um, and telling all this stuff about it. And then at the very end, he's like, P.S. He's like, if, if you're not going, why are you reading this email? And he's like, do you have a good excuse on why you're not going? And he's like, and if you have a good excuse, why don't you hit reply to this email and give me the best excuse you have? So I'm sitting there. It's like morning. This was actually, yeah, this was January 1st, 2019, coming from a rock bottom Christmas. So it was like, I was like rock bottom anyway. And I was like, new year. So I'm sitting there on my phone and I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit reply. I was like, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Ryan Daniel Moran, I'll tell you why I can't go. And I start writing this just like whiny shit. Like, well, I, you know, money's a little tired and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ew. I'm like, it doesn't even matter if that's true. I was like, what is going to catch the eye of someone who doesn't know me and doesn't know that, that he's going to get me a ticket? And I was like, what could I do that no one else could do? And I was like, oh, I'm going to write a poem. I was like, I'm going to tell him all the reasons I can't go, but I'm going to write a poem. And it was weird. And I was like, I'm going to write this poem and I think I'm going to win a ticket. Like it was, it was crazy. So I did write the poem. And, um, if you- well, that's fantastic. I love that story. And of course, Aaron, I have to ask you, you wrote a poem. We got to hear the poem. <laughs> well, um, you know, I haven't actually done this one out loud since 2019. So, um, <laughs> that's, this is okay. So yeah, I am definitely not like a freestyle rapper at all, but but okay, so I replied to the email and I'm like, so you ask those of us who cannot go to enlighten you with our story of no. And if it's true that you have a ticket free, maybe, just maybe, you'll think of me. Imagine you waved a magic wand and somehow flew across the pond. You would see why I'm a little stuck. You might even say, Aaron, what the truck? <laughs> My FBA business builds revenue, but the thing has no vision, sad but true. So one reason I can't buy a ticket to go is after EU taxes, I lack the cash flow. A ticket to Capcom would be a dream come true to meet those really crushing it, people like you. Please do not worry. I'm not some weird stalker or a networking creep or intense face talker. (laughs) 
I have a great passion for all private label. If I hit a plateau, is success a fable? You're a capitalist, not a ticket charity. I'd use my credit card to go, but would trigger World War III. Getting there from England could be readily arranged, though you may have stopped reading this and think I am deranged. Who writes a poem to a king of sales copy? There's no click funnel. My approach is quite sloppy. Capcom would be life-changing. That is plain to see. But if I booked it now, my boyfriend would break up with me. <laughs> if I had a ticket, I'd find a way for the rest. This American in England is dying to see some capitalists. Ryan, what would I do if I were in your shoes? I wish you'd say yes, but I have nothing to lose. I know it will be such an amazing time in Jan. And if I don't get a reply, I totally understand. Thank you sincerely for everything you do. So many people like myself have been inspired by you. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And it was crazy. So like right after I sent it, I was like, it was, I was just like, I'm like, I'm going to get a ticket. I know it. Like, which is so weird. And then um, I got a reply and he's like, awesome poem. He's like, if you can make it here, a ticket's yours. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Nice. And so I really feel like that, it was a really pivotal moment because I was like, so at seven figures, not having the vision, feeling a bit like depressed, isolated, like as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as like, where am I in life? But just being able to go to this, this conference, there was um, maybe like 500 people there. It was just the energy of being in the room with like-minded people. And there was a lot of Amazon sellers, but there was also people from all different um, types of businesses. The speakers were amazing. Um, and so that's actually... Because now I was saying in the last podcast that my team is my superpower, 100%. And so much of what I learned about team came off the back of a presenter I saw at Capcom. So it is all kind of related. So the first morning of the conference, I was able to see Alex Sharfin speak. And what he was speaking about was the entrepreneurial personality type, which is a way of also describing like the, the things that every entrepreneur has in common, the pitfalls that we all do. And it was like, when I was feeling so alone and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like, this guy's talking to me. I was like, there's other people like me. I was like, it's not, I, I'm not alone. Like a weird breed of entrepreneur that's always like a little bit different than everyone else. And I was just really, really enthralled by the whole presentation. And I knew he did some kind of coaching and talked about like team building, that, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I sent him, um, I posted something on Instagram and he replied to it. And I was like, you are my spirit animal. I was like, I will work with you. I was like, everything you're saying is everything I need to hear. Because obviously, like, he's good at identifying avatars too. It's totally me, <laughs> like an entrepreneur, uh, a lot of us. So, so that was a, a huge uh, moment as well. So it was like going to Capcom, meeting like-minded people, talking to other Amazon sellers. So it was like, instead of just being in my earbuds, it's like, what are you doing for PPC? What do you do for launch? Like, uh, we hadn't launched in the US yet. So that was crazy to talk to people in the US. They were asking about Europe. So it was just this exchange of information. And I was like, wow, this is so amazing. And then ended up going really deep into all the podcasts um, with Alex Sharfin before I signed up for the program, which was literally the most game-changing thing because it's putting processes in place that stabilize your team and allow you as a visionary entrepreneur to basically cast your vision forward and let your team get out ahead of you to bring it to reality in a way that doesn't stress them out. Because a lot of us entrepreneurs, we do the same kind of stuff. We go to conferences and we're like, oh, something shiny. What about this? What about that? It excites us as entrepreneurs, but it stresses your team out. Yes. And so it, and it's also like admitting your weaknesses, asking for help. You know, the same way I was saying before, I have some ADHD tendencies. Do I have it? Who knows? But it's like before I would be ashamed of those things and just be like, feel bad asking for help or I should be able to do that. But it's amazing when you really show full vulnerability to your team. 
So yeah, as far as like systems, processes, it's yeah, it's been amazing. I love that, Aaron. Let's let's talk about the Sharp and Vision setting in a second. I want to talk a little more about the networking, the power of networking that you mentioned, and like the fact yeah. that you got out of your your home and got out of your earbuds, as you as you said, and went and yeah. met people in in IRL in real life, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I just find that incredible to network with people and and to talk to people and to get to know them in physical space. It's harder now with COVID being a little weird, although we're hopefully kind of coming out of that now. So conferences are kind of opening up. So what was the big thing? You saw a speaker. Okay. Alex Scharf, you saw him speak, which is great, but you could probably hear him speak on a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever, right? So what was it about meeting other people in the same space that was so fantastic? I think it was really just I don't want to say small talk because I don't believe in small talk, but just to, we all had something in common that we were all entrepreneurs. So we all had, we were all on that journey. And so it was just kind of like immediately, where are you talking about things? And really just the enthusiasm and encouraging of people, kind of just like having a coffee with someone and then hearing their story and just hyping them up. It's just good energy to be able to like say that in person and often a lot of us are in our own heads a lot or hard on yourself or, you know, so you can kind of have this collective reciprocity of helping each other. And I remember I had this book, I'd be talking to the most interesting people. They'd say something. And I'm like, can I write that down? It was like all these quotables. Like there was one, um, this one guy, Cardell, he was just like, he's like, if there's a need to complain, there's a need to train. And I was like, that's so good. You know, cause it was like, like you just get these little like like nuggets, that. you know? Yeah, because it, it is true. And as you get off your, your ego to be like, oh, they're not doing this and that, it's like, really? Well, were they set up for success? You know, like look in the mirror, that that kind of thing. So, and um, being able to talk to people that were way ahead of you and then some people that were just um, starting starting out. So I think that was the main thing. It's like, wow, I, just feeling understood, which was important. And then of course, like geeking out over like Amazon tactics too, like keyword strategy or like, I think negative match auto campaigns, like things that, you know, they're not like rocket science, but if you, you, it takes a lot longer before you happen to hear it on a podcast or pick it up at a forum. So, so yeah, I just think we are, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, like at the end of the day, like we are humans and there is something to be said about connection and really wanting to stay in touch and, and help each other after that as well. So um, yeah, I think that's, that, that was huge. Yeah. And the, the thing too, is that, uh, so meeting other people and, and kind of like figuring out like, oh, this worked for you. Does it work for me? Does it, this thing didn't work for me. Maybe you should just avoid trying it. <laughs> it didn't work yeah. for me, right? That kind of stuff, those little things. And it's hard to add all those up because like, like you said, the $2,000 uh, ticket, although you got it for free because that awesome poem, but that $2,000 <laughs> like, how do I justify that? Like, well, okay, I got this one tip on if there's time to complain, there's time to train, right? Was that was that the quote? Yeah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how, so, okay. But how do I, how do I like offset that $2,000? Where do I get that money back? There's not a hundred percent ROI, like instantly you can't measure the amount that you get on some spreadsheet or whatever. Right. Like it's just like being around understanding people and, and kind of getting those little tidbits really adds up. And the big thing too, just to add on to that is the, like finding people who are the same level as you is yes. fantastic. But finding people who are just like one, two, three steps ahead of you, that's the part where I was like, oh, wow, like you're you're right there and you were where I was a year ago or three years ago. And that that's one of the things, the big inspirations for me to go to these in-person events that I get from all those like those people just 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 right in front of me. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, it's the same. And, and you are more inclined, I think, just like a human nature to, to help people afterwards. If you've had a conversation, you know, if you, you had a drink or a coffee or sat next to each other in, in a networking thing, it's like, I still keep in touch with people that, that I met there. There was someone else. We both joined the Sharpen program. Um, she's the, such an amazing entrepreneur. She's not in, she's not in Amazon, but it's like, we, you just have this like shared experience where you, you'll just always have that connection and understanding, which it can be a lonely game, especially with us digital entrepreneurs. It really can. Yep. And a big thing too, uh, for, for those of you who are, uh, so it is hard if you're very introverted. I, I totally understand this kind of stuff is difficult, but in terms of traveling and costs and stuff like that, yes, if you're at the point where you can invest $2,000 for a conference, that is a fantastic place to put that money. If you're at the point where you can invest a couple thousand dollars on a mastermind, that's a fantastic place. That is the best way of doing it. But also you can go to free meetup groups. You can go, you can, you know, go on to Facebook and chat with people. You don't get the same kind of experience, but not saying that everyone has to have that like $2,000, $10,000 entry. You can do it for free or nearly free. Yeah. So, and the big thing for me, like I I actually, I found the same thing. I found that I I didn't, I had never met another person who sold shit on the internet, right? For the first three (laughs) years, you know, so I was like getting close to whatever, whatever numbers, you know, numbers are good, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I, I've never met someone else who sells on Amazon though. I chat with a lot of like comments on Facebook and stuff. So I set up my own meetup group in San Diego and I figured That's so cool. uh, people just, you know, f- it, and I, I know I can come to these meetings because I know who's setting them. Right. <laughs> and I know it's really easy for me to get to them because I'm going to go to the bar literally across the street from my house. <laughs> but yeah, so it's power networking. It's just fantastic plug for, San Diego, if you're in Southern California, you should come to a meetup group. It's in the, it's the FBA masterminds group or something like that. I'll put a link in the show notes. So Aaron, let's talk about Alex Sharfin's program. This thing is called the billionaire code or something like that. Yeah. 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 So tell me, you, you, you see him on stage. He talks about how to build a team and how to have that vision. So the team wants to follow, wants to lead, wants to lead you into the vision. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. It's, it's hard to kind of like, sum it up um, without getting really like granular into all the tactics. But, but that's like the, the main thing is, is the structure, which he calls the cadence, which is like the rhythm of meetings. Because oftentimes you're kind of having meetings here and there, or you'll cancel meetings last minute, something gets busy. And it's just like, because as humans, we are habitual creatures. So it's like having routine and entrepreneurs, we usually fight routine. Like that sounds like the worst thing ever to have set meetings. Like, no, this is why I started my own business. But actually, it'll end up setting you free where it's like, so you you make your annual objectives and that's what you do for the whole year. And every quarter, you have a meeting and you decide what you're doing for the next three months. And that's really hard in the beginning. At least it was for me. I fought against the system I knew we needed because I was like, oh, well, I have my other ideas. It's like, well, you're going to go off and do your own thing or you're going to stress the team out. So it's almost like um, it was my own discipline as well. But now it's like amazing. It's we do know what we're doing this quarter and and it helps you analyze and prioritize. And it's like, and then every month we have a meeting. And so the whole team knows, can you imagine your whole team knowing everything that they're working on for the next 30 days, not in like a spoon feeding type way, but there's not going to be anything out of left field. I mean, okay, things happen, but it's not going to be the norm where me being like, so now we're going to sponsor a makeup masterclass. So now we're going to do a Christmas market. Now it's like, none of that. No. We know exactly why we're going, what, what we're doing. Everything leads back up to the annual objectives. Um, we've got a like, company culture and vision as far as like what we stand for, that 
um, everyone's aware of too. Um, every morning we do a daily huddle and it's, it's a quick meeting. It's 10 a.m. where you, you know, here's the metrics, here's where we're going, anything come up, any operational issues. And sometimes it's five minutes. So it sounds horrible to be like, oh, that's so many meetings. But if you don't have a structure or process, it's like meeting health, but it keeps us all on, on track. And so when we had lockdown here, we had, a, we had to go fully virtual. And it was still, it was really like, I would get up, I get up and get ready for work every day, even if it's from home, which is really good for mental health because I see my team at 10. I see some others at nine, but you know, for, for our huddle with, with everyone. So it's um, that rhythm that, that makes sense. So it's predictable and the, the team doesn't feel stressed out. And you have people, I mean, it's been the most rewarding thing. Cause when I first started with all the interns, I didn't, I thought maybe I wanted that contractor lifestyle, you know, like the laptop on the beach that you see like stock photos of it. Like, you know, I don't have an actual team. I just have like virtual assistants and stuff. Um, but having a team has been the most rewarding thing I've really ever done. Um, so seeing them grow and the structure, giving them confidence is like the most beautiful thing. And so it's like, there's, there's always reminders, of, you know, like he's tons of quotables, like you are not a unicorn. Like what I was saying in the, in the last podcast, things that I thought only I could do. Like, I'm really good at just, I have this instinct to have this, like, okay, it might be a talent I have, but the minute I let that go, that the team can grow and, and we can move forward. Because otherwise it, it's, it's, it's on me. And there's a bit, you get a bit of ego sometimes, but then actually for me, when I see my team doing it better than I did, like I'm the first one to be like, I was wrong. Thank you for proving me wrong. You guys are awesome. Because that's, it's been so huge for me. What kind of, like, so I guess a, a question I have on the objectives, like what kind, are these just like, we're going to hit $2 million or are they like emotional objectives? Like what, what, what are a few examples of these, yeah. of these objectives on the annual and quarterly basis? Yeah. So, so basically the annual, one of them is financial. So what you think you can, and what you think you will definitely achieve, not you want to achieve, but what you will definitely achieve. Cause us entrepreneurs will be like, it's motivational, like sky's the limits, you know, and then we'll crash, but it's exciting for us. But then what does that teach your team? Like, uh, these mean nothing. So why does it matter? So basically you just think what you definitely can get and then even bring it a little bit forward so you can actually to, to meet the goal if, if all goes well. And we've been fortunate to grow every year, but you know, sometimes things happen and it, it doesn't always work that way. Um, and then there's another one, like, um, we developed a new brand, develop this brand like bring it forward, you know, because what's something you will be working on the entire year. And they suggest not having more than like four. I think we have like four. So it's usually like brand product, product related things. So then everything you're doing quarterly should fit into those objectives. And a lot of them can just be absorbed under the financial objectives because it's like, well, you know, we have a lot of like operational things or HR, or, you know, that kind of stuff where it has to go somewhere. But so that's, what's really nice on the quarterly thing is, is I'm, there would always be like, I like to have a team that will challenge me that I say, if we fight in meetings, it's actually a good thing because we don't fight nasty, but it's like, I'm quite strong-minded and we've got other strong-minded people on the team. But, but then it's like figuring out what our priorities were. Um, And there's something that's really helpful too, especially in the beginning for us entrepreneurs is um, suggest using like something called the parking lot. So when you have this great idea that before the whole world had to stop for this great idea, because one time you had a great idea and everything stopped and it was great. And you're just, you just think that's going to happen again. You put it in the parking lot and then at your next time to evaluate priorities, if it's still on fire. And I hate to admit some of these like best idea ever must do it. And then I look at it like a month later, I'm like, man, oh, okay, no. But other times I'm like, yes, let's bring that one forward anyway. But I think the biggest game changer is being able to have like this 
the meetings moving forward, the business moving forward is that I can actually think strategically. Because a lot of us entrepreneurs, that's it's like the big vision part of it. Like before it sounds super like, oh, I'm a visionary entrepreneur, but literally that's that's my strength is thinking of what's next, not so so much what what's now. But I was actually able to this last summer get enough time kind of in like a strategic visionary state while well, well, I wasn't doing anything tactical that I was able to think of some new brands to pivot that helped us with Brexit that's helping in the US that it wouldn't have happened before when I was still being like, I need to review this, I need to do this, which part of it was we didn't have the processes in place. Um, and, and we had a, a younger team, but it's to the point now where it's like, I'm, I'm more like, yeah, I can glance at it after everyone else has. And I'm just so, so proud of, of how this structure has, has allowed the team to grow within themselves. I love that. And you know, that's, it's funny how, how a lot of people come on the same idea or same, like someone comes from this way and someone comes from this way. And we still settle on yeah. this kind of like this 90 day ish kind of, this is really yeah. nice time. So it's a 12 week <laughs> year. It's really a pretty famous book, 12 week year. And in 12 weeks, of course, is, is about a quarter, right? 90 days. And there's a hundred day sprint traction uses the 90 day rocks, Right. Rock is oh, yeah. a, like a task. And it's the same thing. Four or five is kind of the, the goal for each department. Most people who are smaller might only have one department. Right. But if you're a bigger team with 20, 40 people, you'd have maybe five departments or something. So yeah. 90 days is this is this. And they say 90 days is the time where you can be you have enough time. You have ambition to do new things that you don't really know exactly how it's going to get done. But you know that there's like you kind of know the next steps to get it done. But it's not so far in the future that it's just like, wow, someday, imagine 10 years from now when we're on Mars or we're on, you know, <laughs> yeah, like the sure. I'm a bajillionaire and I have a Lamborghini and stuff. And it's like, OK, are you going to get a Lamborghini in the next 90 days? No, but you can develop two new products. You can yeah. make a hire. You can expand into Europe. You can expand. In, you can renegotiate, you know, redo your packaging, whatever it is. Right. So it's very like like these things make sense inside these 90 day windows. Now, Aaron, my question for you, though, so you have your team, you said you had four interns, and then you have nine uh, employees or eight, eight team members plus yourself now? No, nine. Not nine. Okay, nine plus yourself, yeah. so you're a team of 10. When you make these objectives for the year and for the quarter, like, is the whole team doing it? Are you doing it? Is Do you have, like, a manager team that's doing yeah. it and telling the rest of the people what to do? There's, like, a, like a leadership team, so there's four of got us it. total. Yeah, and that's what we've got. Um, some amazing experience. That's why I was saying, like, I feel like I'm punching way above my weight class with the team that works for me, considering like the size of the company and the what what I can offer. It's like it's humbling. They're amazing. So yeah, our leadership team is um, really really good. Do you are you guiding them, or are you in there as a strong willed person trying to push the company forward, or they're you're just facilitating them growing the company? Like what? And are also are they tied yeah. in? Like like is it? Do, do they have profit shares? Do they care about profit and revenue? Like how, how is that structured? We we do have um, a profit share with within the company that that's shared with everyone. And part of it is like two like two of them. I'm like, why do you why do you work for me? Like, <laughs> you know, it's more contractual. Like one of them took an early retirement from PG, like and uh, initially applied for a bookkeeper role. His CV goes back to it's mind blowing, like the, the caliber of people. I think they just want to be part of what we're doing. We're very, um, we're really nice people, you know. It's like I know I'm a bit annoying, but like the rest of my team, they're we're really nice and we care a lot about the customer and we have some charitable aspects of our company as well. And um, that's I was like, 
you know, sometimes I, I, I ask them and they're just like, we're adults, we can do what we want, you know, and then um, our supply chain operations, finance person, the two char- ex-chartered corporate accountants. So this, the spreadsheets are second to none. Um, so it's one of those things where uh, two of them have way more experience than I do. So I think one of my strengths as a leader, I am strong-minded. And like I said, we'll fight in meetings, but is I know where I can really benefit from other people's knowledge and experience. And I'll, and I'll put my ego aside. And that, that's been like a, the, the biggest thing I think is like where it's like, I might not lead like an empress, you know, but that's, that's not what I think is best for, for the company. So we have, um, like we're financially stable We're you know, I'm the one that I'm going to push things as far as, as far as I can, you know, as far as like, let's launch as much as we can, but I'm, I'm going to listen. And if their advice is, is very conservative, I'm listening, you know, and we might meet in the middle, but I'm not going to be like, well, F it. I just have this feeling, you know, how us entrepreneurs sometimes like, I just have a gut feeling. And, and in the beginning I did everything myself. So I'm not trying to throw myself under the bus. Like I did do the finance and the supply chain. I wasn't great, but like I've, I've done the things, but, but yeah. So I think it's like our, our leadership meetings are um, really strategic that way too. And then um, we've got um, Natalina as a part of it as well. And her passion for, for the company is like, literally unbelievable like the the passion and, and love she has for every aspect of it for product development for what we're doing for pushing to get better so i feel like i get like emotional like it's it's i feel really really lucky to, to have the team that i do oh, i love that i love that so what's your advice to someone who's kind of sitting at that million dollar mark million whatever maybe eight hundred thousand million and a half the business is yeah. doing okay they're feeling the growth pains that now all of a sudden, like they can't just put their expenses in a spreadsheet. Then now they have to get an accountant. They have to do the, they're starting to turn into like a real business, <laughs> but they don't yeah, really, yes. maybe they have a yeah. few VAs, but they don't really have any, like, you know, I hate, I hate saying VAs and employees are like different things, right? Cause they can be similar, but, but like a, a domestic employee who is well-trained and has expertise and stuff like that. Someone who doesn't have an employee like that. What kind of advice can you give someone who's at that point? Yeah, it probably depends on what their level of overwhelm is. So if someone is at pretty much stress meltdown, and because a lot of entrepreneurs, it's amazing how far you can push it, like how, how, how long you can keep all the plates spinning. And it's usually at the expense of your health and the health of the relationships closest to you, which, it, which is a sad thing. If that is where you are, just be honest with yourself, you know, I think you should go with a EA or a PA first that can actually like entrepreneurial assistant or a personal assistant to help get things off your plate. And this is another like sharpen type thing is to reduce pressure and noise, like to free up more time in your life. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you, you know, to really make sure that you are okay um, because you will break, you will break and then your business will break and the way you're taking care of your mind and your body and all those types of things. But when you're so overwhelmed, you can't even see, you, you can't, you don't even know where to start, where someone who can kind of help um, do a time study for you and just be like, you know, here's, we're going to get groceries delivered this week, or then we'll maybe get a cleaner in, or let's make sure that you're have a reminder in place to pay your car insurance, you know, like just to kind of get, this is if you're in full chaos overwhelm, which I find I was absolutely. And I'm still trying to come out of some of that. And I tracked my sleep, got my aura ring on and everything. But um, I think it is, that's probably where you'd be. If, if you're someone that has like, I said, has your shit together a little bit more. Well, that's not to diss the first type. Sorry. It's different. People have different types of challenges where you're actually bottlenecking your business because you've got your system, little systems and processes, but they're not actually going to be built for scale. I would say start with a time study first and all the things that you're doing 
and what what's the best thing to block off and hire like a real human to do. So it's more of like, if you're that overwhelmed, just like if the house is on fire, put out the fire, <laughs> do that first. Um, but really be self-honest because a lot of people that are on fire have no idea. I didn't really realize how bad the fire was when, when it was going. And then if, if you're systems person, that's kind of like your own worst enemy. And some people don't want to hire people. They don't trust people, blah, blah, blah. Like do a time study and just see what, what's the big, biggest bottleneck to, to getting to that, to that next level of scale. So that's kind of the two different, there's never just one answer. It's always, it depends, you know? <laughs> sure. If you guys want some tactical stuff on how to hire a VA or, or an EA or PA, as you call it, if you're, <laughs> if you're looking to hire someone virtually and, and usually they're relatively low skilled, although may have like great characteristics, but not necessarily a like highly trained, highly skilled person. We had a couple episodes on that, why you should hire your first part-time employee and how to hire the best virtual assistant. That's episode 57 and 58 published in February. So if you guys want to look back on that to kind of talk about those VAs, go take a listen to those. Um, Now, Aaron, so let's say we have our VA. We're past the overwhelm point where we're not melting down. We're we're still hustling hard and still like trying to get it growing. What's the next step we do then? Um, I would have to look at the business and see like where the pain points are. I think that like that's that's the tough one. And part of like the EA thing, it's not necessarily virtual. It can be someone in person that can then take on an operational role. That's the ideal thing is that this person has a type of mind. They get to know you, your business, everything, and then they can replace it with someone virtual. So it's actually a higher level suggestion with no disrespect to like a, a VA that's going to do more administrative type things. But it's like basically someone who could be an operations manager has the right type of mind and is cut from that cloth that you can start out the other way. And that could be like a, I say a human in person that you actually like look at as opposed to like, which there's, I mean, part of my team is virtual as well. So I'll take, you know, it's not all in-person people, but for Amazon sellers, I mean, I think make sure you have, this is my focus. I'm like, make sure customer service is, is not just being run, but being run as, as best as it can, because they will have, their finger is on the pulse to your boss and your boss's customer. This is just out of my mouth. This is the way I say it. So make sure you've got a good customer service system. That might not be full-time. And then I really think supply chain, supply chain cash flow, if, if that's not your superpower. So obviously, Andrew, that would be your superpower, I'm sure. No, I, I hire that out. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I it's well, so cash flow, I do cash flow myself, but we um no, it's 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 hard. <laughs> and like yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And also it's, uh, I, I'm trying to pull myself away from those things. I, I I have done those, you know, forever since day one, right? A cash flow yeah. is also kind of just like, oh, I just have some cash in the bank. I'm good, right? You know, there, there's like, that was the first three <laughs> yeah. years of cash flow management. Or like, I don't have any right? cash. So like, let me just not do a thing for a while, you know? Yeah, but yeah. now we, we project it out and stuff. But no, we actually recently hired a sourcing agent. And, and also she's sourcing and logistics. And it, it's been Really nice handing that stuff off. And the big thing I find too is that like, oh, you know, because I'm so smart. I can do it all. Like, look at me. Look how cool right. I am. You know, let me, you know, I am so crucial. Everything falls apart without me, yeah. right? Which is a huge ego thing that we have to get past, right? It's yeah. not good that you're at this point where it's everything's hinging on you and you are the, yeah. even if it is, if it, first of all, it might not be true. 
right? (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Second of all, if it is true, that's bad. That's not a real Uh business, right? Well said. And so that's one thing I'm trying to trying to pull these things off of me, right? And uh, even though I'm so great and I do 110 times better, whatever, the fact (laughs) I don't have my focus on it and that someone else has their focus on it, that makes them better at it. Because they track it every week or twice a week or whatever, and we they they create orders to send from our three PL to that, which is the local local storage, to uh, the Amazon warehouse and blah blah blah. I just didn't have the time. I was just like I would I would get everything set up, and then I'd kind of like forget to send stuff in for three weeks, and then I like had the orders ready, and I had like a pre order set up, and I just kind of forgot to like submit it, and so it's two weeks yeah. late, and and it's just because I don't you know I'm just like losing focus on it it's not something super exciting so it's a full-time hiring. job also yeah exactly yeah so tell me Aaron, how did you find these people oh <laughs> that's where part of it i'm like i think i manifested them really but um so as far as like um some started as interns or placements placement students so i've got um in-house graphic designer got my right hand woman madalina is doing like operations type stuff amazon like kind of a little bit of everything. And then we have someone that does like our social media and copy communication, um, turning her into a Amazon bullet ninja. So basically trying to take jobs that often are due with a specialized agency, but then train my in-house team to, to have that functionality. But it, so some came from the universities because there's like four large universities around and there's funding and it's, it's a good way to get to get started with people. Yeah, we actually have four, four alumni, three from Newcastle and one from Sunderland, which, which is all around here, which is awesome. And then people on my leadership team is um, one of them, like I said, applied for a bookkeeper role that he was grossly, grossly, grossly overqualified for because he took early retirement and just wanted to be a part of something. And that's what I'm like. I seriously think it's like, I do believe in like putting things out there to the universe. It was like a dream come true to have that um, mentorship from experience for the, the financial side of things well. Um, and then this person who's helping with like finance, supply chain and operations, just kind of just someone who can literally full stack do everything. She's amazing. I met her because I was on a trade mission. I was on a ferry boat going to Rotterdam, which is in the Netherlands with this distributor who's amazing, who she would run a global supply chain. I was talking to her about what I did. She was telling me about what she did. And she's like, you've got to meet my consultant that she's like, she does all my spreadsheets. She's amazing. She might be open to new customers. So met her like beginning of 2018. And then she started with the spreadsheets and I'm like, well, what if I paid you to fill them in? And she's just, you know, and then, and then like now we brought accounting in house. And so it just kind of happened organically. And I'd like to think they stay because they must enjoy it. Because it's like, there's definitely sexier jobs out there as far as salary, et cetera. But being part of something that's growing. And I, I think because within the leadership team is like, we, we really do take all of our strengths. And I say we, we fight sometimes, but that's healthy. And I like it. Um, but we talk it out too. It's not like awkward, run out of the room type of fight, but it's just really taking all of our different perspectives. But yeah, so that's... And then I have a sourcing agent that was actually the first sales person I worked with worked with her for three years in China and she helped me build the business and we had a really close friendship. She had her second baby and just didn't, didn't want to go back. It was always a dream. I always told her it was a dream that she'd work for me. So now she's on the team and we've got customer service in Australia. Um, an office, ma- someone who's come on to kind of do office management and then help with supply chain and logistics, who um, has a master's in supply chain and logistics because 
part of our physical office here in Newcastle. It's um, all about, like I said, obsessed with product development. So the tactile, anytime we're developing a product, anytime we're doing samples for everything, it's like, we need a physical office space for the products when they're taking pictures. So I'd say like, we're working from home from like the Newcastle crew. I'm like, but anytime your job would even be a smidgen done better. If you had your hands on products, you go to the office. So that's why we have the office in a time where you can save money not having one. So headquarters, no matter if I am not going to be here forever, I'm American, you know, um, the headquarters will be here. And because we also export quite a bit and we've got some big um, business contacts in Scandinavia. So we're developing bespoke things for them and we've got the other brands. So it's really like a product hub. So universities and I guess networking and luck of the universe, I, I suppose it's like how, how some new things have come together. But I'm lucky to, I guess, touch wood, knock wood, whatever, um, to have retention as well. So I, I'd like to, I'd like to think people are happy, at least, at least for now. So mostly, mostly creating an amazing work environment and networking is kind of the answer to wh- where we find good, awesome employees then, right? Yeah, it's give, giving them an environment to grow and to want to stay. And that's a big part of like, what motivates me to, to keep growing the business is to try to provide even better and better opportunities for them. So what, where are we growing to? What is Aaron, where does Aaron see herself <laughs> oh, a year, three, <laughs> 10 years from now? Oh my goodness. Oh, it's, that's, that's hard. Just because there's a few as organized as we are with objectives, there's, there's the main brand that isn't just on Amazon, the New Ray Beauty, that there's like big visions for that, that are off Amazon, new product developments. There's a whole nother vision for, for that part of it beyond Amazon. And then we've got a couple other brands that I don't, I don't know yet. I was like, it was a really big deal for me to be able to do an annual objective. I can tell you what we're doing this year, but, but beyond <laughs> that, but I do have, I guess, like bigger visions as far as like with what we're doing with one of the, one of our brands is UK only. And it's involving some products like handmade products. And I would love to uh, create jobs and maybe open like a mini factory, uh, create training opportunities um, to kind of give back, especially off the back of Brexit. Um, a lot of industry will continue to leave the UK. So actually being able to bring some back, I think would be really rewarding. We also work with a, a charity in um, Leeds, which is a city in Northern England, but South from us. That is, it's our fulfillment warehouse and they help us packing some of our products. One of our brands is actually hand-packed by developmentally disabled adults that it's a training facility for them. Some of them go just for training to get a real job and uh, I'm sorry, job outside of the training facility. And then others that they're with it pretty much for life. And it's the most beautiful organization. So the more we can grow the, the UK side of things and we're actually growing them and Amazon, it's, it's, so it's like doing more of that. So I'm going very much right now with what feels good. That feels good to think of growing that more, creating jobs, and then growing the company. So the opportunities within the company for our team can, can be places where they can grow too. Because, you know, bootstrap business, this isn't, it's not like going to work for corporate. You work for a company like mine for other reasons, you know, like it's at this point, because a lot of other people, it's like, they're all VAs, you know, where it's like, I'm like, say I've got like a real team here on British soil, which is something that is, it makes it a bit, a bit tighter. But yeah, there's a lot of export stuff. Uh, after the dust settles with with Brexit, there's still quite a market for the Nure products, which are our cosmetic accessories. So, so yeah, it's not really a direct answer, but I'm just I'm really enjoying, I guess, the momentum of things now. And then we launched a new brand in the U.S. That is, um, we're just on a relaunch after stocking out, and it's the best launch we've ever had. 
And I really think strength of network was some of the tactics I was able to discuss within Titan, which is probably something we'll touch on. And um, the Titan network was has been really, I'm really excited about how this year is going to turn out. Nice. Uh, I love that. And most of you guys know who are loyal listeners that uh, I'm one of the leader coaches inside of Titan Network. And if you are interested in connecting and networking with people, you please check it out as I honestly, I think the best best program in, in this space. And uh, if you want to check that out, there is a link in the show notes. And Aaron, you're, you've been a very critical new person. You've only been in there for three, four months, right? Well, it was the, the end of Jan, basically. Like early Feb. Oh right yeah! Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah, soon. Yeah. yeah. You've already made. You've already. We've already felt the impact of Aaron. So I'm. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm very bullish on Aaron. Very excited for what she's going to be doing coming up. So it's very exciting. And I guess uh, this kind of leads into the three questions I like to ask everybody. Aaron, what is your big why? I know we've talked. Yeah. We, we had the last two episodes. This episode, and last episode, kind of talking about it. But what is your big why? What's your big driving thing that makes you want to run these businesses? Yeah, I think part of it was, I did kind of touch on it just now, but I guess there's there's a few different bubbles, right? So when you start, I think your why is just like a smaller bubble. Your why is so you can have the, or so I can have the financial freedom and security to be able to work when I want, where I want, and not have to miss out on things about life because of work. So that was my original, the original why, which is still there. But then it goes into now, boom, it's not just me, it's my team. So they're a huge part of my why is that I, I seriously like love them like family. Like, so what I want to do is continue building opportunities, the financial security of the company, training opportunities. I want them to have a place that they can show up and not just to show up to win, to, to have it be a positive because you spend more time in work than anything else. That it's like to really create this, this beautiful culture that, that, that they can grow. And then we can work more also with the charity, which I, I take part of that as well is to see um because that's one beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is i think money is energy and the more energy that's moving through you you can impact more things so it's like okay first you just impact yourself right then you can impact your team and your supply chain a little bit too you know um uh, and then the i guess the the why beyond that is when energy grows as an entrepreneur, you then have more power to then start making more impact. Where if, if you started thinking about impact in the, in, in the beginning, you, you know, if, if you, it, it's just probably too soon. So it's like in small ways, my company's not perfect, but we've been able to lower our use of single use plastic. Um, all of our, we, we try to use FSC certified or recycled materials whenever possible. We still run a global supply chain, but we have a UK only brand that is basically doesn't travel at all and supporting local businesses. So it's basically like being able to do the best you can from whatever point you're at. So I think that's just the why is if you look at it, it's like, um, I guess if capitalism is going to grow and expand, I feel like if it's in my corner growing and expanding, I'm going to do the best that I can. So be it charity, be it for my team, be it impact, be it for the quality of products. Like already we, we only work with factories that have the ethical certifications. And so it's just making the, the impact that you can try to be as heart-based. So I think that's kind of the why is like, you're still you and money amplifies who you are. And I think it gets a bad rap a lot when, when companies grow. And the more stories I hear, like I met someone um, in group four on Titan that they sell menstrual cups on Amazon. And I think they've, they've donated literally like a hundred thousand to 
to places where people were dropping out of school because they didn't have things like that. Entrepreneurs do beautiful things. If they didn't have the size and the scale of the business, they wouldn't be able to do it. So I think that's kind of the why is just to like move this energy and do the best thing you can can with it. Uh, that's like that's like the perfect summation of when capitalism works well, right? <laughs> Giving back, creating value, employing people, coming together to build something beautiful and amazing and new and different and valuable. So, oh, I love that, Aaron. Great answer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I always like to ask everybody also, uh, what is a favorite book or a podcast or a blog or whatever it is, some piece of content that people can consume today? Yes. I mean, besides this podcast, but they're already here. <laughs> yeah, people always say that. I gotta, I gotta like, yeah, cool. All right. Zomcon yeah. number one. Okay. What's number two? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, um, so I would suggest listening to the digital download of Branded by Women. So if you haven't heard of this conference before, it's put together by Danny McMillan, the podcast host for Seller Sessions. And he brings together 40 women from the e-commerce industry. And men can listen to this too, of course, but I really think it's, it's really underrated for how much value you get because there's a whole section on mindset. So if you are starting out and or at any part of your business journey, you know how important mindset is. You can hear a lot of stories. Then you have marketing. So you have agency owners, experts in their field, PPC, copywriting, etc. And then you have mastery, people who are farther along in their journey, just telling basically different aspects of their story. And there's always loads of takeaways. So that's something that I would definitely suggest. I was honored to be a speaker in this one's 2021, a little bit about the superpowers I think women have in business. Of course, open to men as well, but it's just kind of a unique perspective because there's less of us statistically right now, even though I'm sure that that's changing too. So I know that there's... uh, so one thing that's fantastic is that Danny actually gave us 10 free downloads to this Branded by Women content. That is usually $99 to access this content if you don't watch it live. And Danny was great enough to actually give this to us for free. So Aaron, so we have Branded by Women offer, the, the free download from Danny. Um, is there anything else, any other books or the podcast that you're, that you're excited about? Yes, um, there's a couple books. They're all over the place, but one that I think is interesting for everyone to read is called The Chimp Paradox. So it's more chimp? like... Un- like a Like a monkey yeah. chimp? Yeah, okay. like the chimp paradox. So it's not necessarily about business per se, but it helps you when communicating with other humans, which a lot of us have teams, suppliers, etc. It's This guy basically breaks down neuroscience and the way the brain works by using the analogy of a chimp, like your chimp brain versus human versus robot. And it's, it's just a really interesting way. So um, as someone from my team and I, um, Madalena, we, we read it together and it helped us actually when interacting with each other, be like, oh, sorry, that was my chimp, you know, just with, with better, it's just, it's just an interesting one. And also own the day, own your life. I think I said that right by Aubrey Marcus. So it's kind of like the miracle morning, but on biohacking steroids, but no actual steroids. So it's, um, I think it, it's a really good read. It's intense and, you know, it's cold showers doing all the, the type of stuff because you find a lot of entrepreneurs as they go through their journey, get more and more into biohacking. It might sound a bit weird and geeky, but you need to take care of your body and your mind. Your business will not grow any more than, than you are. So I think that's a pretty interesting book. And then there's a wild card for any women out there, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. That is a freaking amazing book, paradigm shifting it's just crazy. It's like when I read books, when I read something profound, I, I write it down and make my own little quote basket. And I found I was just like writing so much down when I listened to that. So it really made me, made me think, listen to that recently. So that's the, that's my content. Nice. I love it. Those are all, I've actually never read any of those books. 
So <laughs> you just added some more wish list items to my to my reading list. Awesome. Aaron, why don't we finish off? Why don't you tell us what's one actionable thing that Amazon sellers can do today? Okay. This is more of my ask to everyone too, because like I, what I was saying before, it says Amazon sellers, we have an opportunity to make impact. It's even small. The next time you're going to reorder or order, would you please consider taking a look at any additional single use plastic that goes onto your order? Or if there's any way that you can make it even that much more sustainable. And even if you know the green part isn't on your heart, it's also not a nice unboxing experience. Customers don't like big piles of extra plastic. And every poly bag that crinkles, you know the ones I'm talking about, they never go away. You can't recycle them. So you order 10,000, just imagine your pile. That's what I would, you know. So it's like China does quite a bit with sustainable materials. So like I said, FSC certified wood, recycled aluminum. There might be some aspects of your products that are already done from post-consumer goods that customers like that too. It's good messaging. But most importantly, we have the opportunity for impact. None of us are perfect, but if you could just do that incremental change, all you have to do is ask and hopefully it'll be better for the customer, but most importantly, better for the earth. Nice. I love that. So what, so would I just call my supplier, email them to say, hey, can you make this more sustainable? Or like, what, is there something I ask? Like, is there bioplastic or, or recycled paper or something that I, I can kind of keyword off of for them? Yeah, it, well, it depends. I don't know the components of your products. So that's why I was like, the most obvious is like shed extra poly bags um, and ask if everything can be recycled. You could say out of everything, what can be recycled with what we're currently doing? So kind of almost do like an audit. And then from there, can it be recycled? Can we switch that out? Like some of our, for hygienic reasons, we, we dropped as much of the plastic as we can as some of our makeup sets. Some of the smaller ones will still have um, like a plastic sleeve, but it's a cloudy plastic instead of clear and therefore it's recyclable. And you can put something in like your user guide. So it's, even if you are still using plastic because sometimes you have to shrink wrap, et cetera, there's different types of materials they, that they can use. And so even finding out what your existing, like I said, everyone's product range is going to be different there might be some aspects of sustainability that you weren't even aware of, which is just a feel-good thing too. Because in high mass market type situations, you know, it's every order is a lot of stuff. And all those additional plastic poly bags all make a difference. So it could just be like feel good and tell your team. Hopefully, if you have customers that care. And but even if not, then you can just feel that much better. And you know, it's less bulk, right? <laughs> Perfect. Boom. And actually, we actually had an episode with a young lady who is actually the youngest person on our podcast. She is only 15 years old at the time of recording. (laughs) (laughs) She uh, it's uh, eco friendly sales by Samantha Rosenbaum. That's episode 28. And she talks about basically a whole episode talking about that kind of stuff. If you guys are interested in that. So Aaron, I love that super simple, easy thing. Ask your supplier, hey, more sustainable products. Can we make these things less single use? plastic kind of things everywhere. So Aaron, I really appreciate you being here. And I love that you shared the story about going from rock bottom, growing your team, learning how to build a system and a process, how to get real people touching real products, giving real jobs and stuff, and then gave us a bunch of advice on books to read and also that free access to branded by women content. Make sure to grab that free access. There's only 10 available. So it is limited time only. Make sure to grab your copy today. And Aaron, I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so much for um, inviting me. It's an honor. Absolutely.